I don't know about you, but do you, do you ever get the feeling like, I can't believe it's the end of June? Like, I can't believe in the calendar we are where we are. Because some days seem like they take forever. But then I blink and I turn around and another month is gone. And so um, with that, like just, just settling in and going, it really is July 4th weekend next weekend. That, that's, that's pretty crazy to even begin to fathom how we got here so quickly. But we're excited for what that means. We're excited for um, what's ahead. Um, we have a special guest next week. Uh, which I cannot wait for you to get to experience and, and have him teach and encourage us. Um, you'll have to come and find out who it is. It's just the way it works. But uh, we're just super happy that you're with us this morning. I hope you're comfortable and I hope you can lean in. Um, I want to start, if you'll let me, with a moment I had on vacation. And I mentioned uh, last week that that my family has the privilege of vacationing on a lake, and specifically Lake Powell. And uh, I happened to be out on a Sidu by myself and, and was just exploring kind of the cove we were in and, and the water's rising this year. And so, so the cove kind of goes back further. And so I begin to follow it back and it begins to wrap around rocks and, you know, it's wide at first and it begins to narrow down. And the further I get in, there's nobody around. Like, like you, you get the feeling of you're alone and, and, the further I would get back into this, the, the more I could see the water um, was kind of coming to an end and it was narrowing down even further and you're kind of weaving your way in. And then you have a point where you decide, uh, do, I, do I try and go further and see what's around the next corner or do I stop? Because if I get stuck in here, I don't know how I'm getting out. Um, there is no cell service. There is no, I don't, I don't know how I get the sea out and get back to where we are. Uh, and so I'm sitting there and I decide I'm going to turn around. And as I turn around in this, in this little cove area, if you like, the, the, the finger of the, the cove that's gone back, I turn around and there is this giant black raven sitting on a rock staring at me. And instantly, it's so peaceful because there's nobody else there. The, the water begins to still because I just sit for a minute and I'm just looking at this, at this raven. At the time, I didn't even know it was a raven. I knew it was a giant black bird. It looked bigger than a crow. And I'm like, I assume it's a raven, but I don't even know if they're here. Apparently, Lake Powell has lots of ravens. But this one in particular was sitting there by itself with me. And in that moment... There, there, there's kind of this realization, this, this remembering, if you like, of an obscure story that we find in the Bible that has to do with ravens. And my mind started going, going along that story and remembering what happened. And I, I began to imagine that scenario in this moment where it was peaceful next to this water with this bird. And so if you would, with the time that we have this morning, we're just going to go and look really quickly at a story from the Old Testament that connects to the new, connects to the life of Jesus. And I hope today that we're challenged, we're encouraged. And when we get through this, who knew that a big black bird, a raven, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the only people who like ravens live in Baltimore. That's it. Um, I'm a Steelers fan. We hate the ravens. But today we're going to learn from some ravens. So if you have your Bible... Uh, we're going to dive into um, 1 Kings, 1 Kings 17. 
And so in 1 Kings 17, there's, there's a context that we're about to step into. And the context is this, that, that King Ahab, Ahab has been made king. He marries a lady named Jezebel. Jezebel is from another country. So this is a political marriage to try and help um, foreign relations, if you like. And, and so Jezebel comes to to where Ahab is, and they said Ahab actually sets up a temple for her, and in setting up that temple, he he allows her to worship the gods from where she is from, specifically Baal. That he allows her to set up um, not only a temple, but to bring in, if you like, to to allow prophets to step in. And in high number, like we find out later in other chapters that 450 are now in this area. And on top of that, she begins to, she begins to squeeze out, if you like, the prophets of, of the God of Israel, the God that we know from study of the Bible, Yahweh himself. She, she begins to squeeze out the prophets. And it's in that context where, where the Bible actually records the words that, that this king had done worse than any other. That this king had aroused the anger uh, of God. That it's in that context. And in, in chapter 17, verse 1, we step in. And now Elijah, who is a new character to the scene, the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab, so Elijah comes out of nowhere. We don't, we don't need to worry about the details of where he's from and how. That's for another day. But, but in this context, Elijah steps up and he begins to speak to Ahab. As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Okay, there's more going on as, as normal with the Bible. There's more going on within the context we find it, right? So, so he, say, he states here, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives. Okay, this is, this is kind of a jab, if you like, at Baal, at the God of, of Jezebel, Baal. This is a jab at Baal. Why? Because there were seasons where Baal was presumed to be dead or sleeping. And what I mean by that is, is Baal is a storm god. Right. So when Baal shows up, he's bringing the rain, he's bringing the storms. Right. He's bringing um, he allows the ability for growth, fertility. Right. That's what's believed to be connected to Baal. But when there was drought or a dry season, what they would say is the God Moat. Moat actually put Baal to sleep or put Baal to rest and when it began to rain again, it was because Moat uh, essentially resurrected Baal. So, so what Elijah's doing here is he's kind of taking a punch, right? Because he's going, he's going, hey, as the Lord, the God of Israel, you know that country you're in, the God of Israel, yeah, well, lives. So he takes a jab at, wait a minute, my God is alive. And then second of all, he says, whom I serve. So as a prophet now, what you find is Elijah, a prophet is somebody who hears from God, right? He was a messenger of God. He was an echo of God's voice, if you like. That the prophet stands in the gap and he says what God has told him to say. And in this case, he's stating very clearly, I serve Yahweh. I serve the God of Israel, not your God's. And then he goes on to say, there will neither be dew nor rain. Why, why, would, why would the whole thing be wrapped around dew and rain? 
Because Baal, Baal is what? He's a storm god. And so in this moment, when, when he's talking about, hey, there's not going to be any rain, what he's actually saying is, um, my God who lives, whom I serve, um, he's actually greater than yours, and he's going he's to bring the rain to a halt. Except in my word. Now, verse 2, it picks up. It says, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Verse 3, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord told him. He went to the Kareth ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Okay, so, so, so God's plan is he, he and you got, you got to give kudos to Elijah, because Elijah goes straight to the man in charge, straight to the king. He goes to the man that I can actually bring, because if you're in charge, you can bring change. And so he goes to the man in charge. He goes somewhere where he can make a difference when he uses his voice. He steps into that forum, uses his voice. And then God goes, hey, buddy, we're going to go. We're going to go to this ravine by a brook. And, And so essentially he takes him. God takes Elijah and hides him. He gives protection inside a place that was still under the jurisdiction of Ahab. He essentially hides him down by this brook. And he says, he says this, he goes, hey, you're, you're going to drink from the brook. The brook is going to be your source of life when it comes to water. The brook, the brook is going to be your, your life in these moments. And then on top of that, there's these, there's these thing called Ravens. And these ravens are going to show up and they're going to be like clockwork, morning and evening, morning and evening. And what they're going to do is they're going to bring you bread and they're going to bring you meat. And and so your life source of water will be the brook. Your life source of food will be provided by these birds that come in in the morning and in the evening. And if you'll, if you'll lean in for a minute, because, um, I believe there's an awful lot that the raven has that matches us. I believe there's an awful lot that we could learn about the raven and we can learn about God and we can learn about the nature of what Jesus is doing inside of us from what we call a dirty bird. Right. And, and the raven. OK, so so just just a few facts about the raven. First one is this, that the raven is a bird of prey. What that means about the raven is that the raven is about the raven's kingdom. That what the raven, raven is doing is he is setting up, if you like, the raven is setting up their kingdom as a bird of prey. They are going to make sure that everything is chased away from their area. It is their kingdom. And then on top of that, they're unclean. You, you couldn't eat them. It was, it was stated in the law that you needed to not eat them specifically. And so they're unclean religiously. They're on the outside religiously. They're not part of the religious celebration. The, the raven is considered um, separated from what would be holy in Israel. 
So now you have a bird of prey who's only about its kingdom, and it's unclean, and, it's, and they're also meat eaters. So they specifically devour meat, right? They, they scavenge. They go around. They'll find corpses. Like they're, they're going to carcasses of animals. They'll go and find them, and, and they're going to feast off of it. They're going to eat the meat from those spaces. And, and then on top of that, they leave it. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Uh, we have, if you ever put your trash cans out early, um, we, we tend to put ours out because our pickup is Monday. And I've talked to you about this before. They come early, right? They show up and it's like, oh my gosh, why are you guys here? You should be sleeping, but you're at my house picking up my trash. So what we did is we started putting out Sunday night with all our neighbors. The problem is the crows or ravens show up. And I know there's a difference between a crow and a raven, but the, the birds show up and they just tear the trash apart. And there's trash all over the street. Now you got to go pick it up and, and, and put it all together. Why? Because ravens make a mess. They're known for being messy. They, they're known for creating chaos. Ravens are also known for, they're also known for neglecting their young. So their young are hungry. Ravens are known for not even bringing food back to the young. That's why there's verses in the Bible that talk about that God actually provides food for young ravens. Why? Because it's known that ravens don't come back. They don't do that. They don't come back for their own, let alone anybody else. And so it's just a known thing that they're, they're not coming back. They're not, even though, and then God, that's another point about them. God actually says in scripture that he provides food for them. And then the last thought is this, and I didn't, I didn't know any of this until I started looking at this and going, what is, like, what really is a raven? What's unique about it? You know that ravens are one of the smartest animals? I didn't know that. Like you can, you can get a raven and it'll actually act like a parrot. Apparently they can learn words, they can tell you stuff. Which makes me think, when I look at a raven, that they are underachieving in my opinion. The ravens in my trash can should be talking to me in my opinion. They're underachieving. But they're very, very smart animals. Now, all of this, you go, what in the world does this obscure story have to do with me today sitting on my couch, wherever you may be, in your car, or on your phone, outside, wherever you may be, what does this have to do with me? <clears throat> I have directed the ravens to supply you with food. And then it goes on to say, that the raven showed up morning and night, bread and meat. Okay, let's, let's just walk through. If a raven is a bird of prey and all about their kingdom, the raven isn't acting much like a raven in the direction that God's given him. He's actually acting against his own kingdom because he's not building just something that's good for him. On top of that, you know, you know, you take the idea of being unclean, that the raven's an outsider, and yet in this moment, what is unclean is actually bringing food to the prophet. That's breaking, that's breaking the religious lines because it's been directed by God. 
The, the, the fact that the very nature, the very nature, and we see it with that they, they will neglect their young, not even go back and feed their young, and, and they're meat eaters, and so they don't share, and yet in this moment, they're taking meat, which goes against their wiring and nature, and taking it to Elijah. Why? Because God directed them. They're going against their own nature and nurture, why? Because God is in control of what they're doing. And then beyond that, like they're known for making a mess, right? But this, this is very systematic. There isn't a whole lot of chaos in this. Because in this, in this story, in this moment, when God is directing them, they're showing up morning and night. Morning and night. That God is, is providing for them, but now is using them to provide for somebody else. And this idea of being underestimated. Who knew? The ravens. You see, it makes me think about humanity, right? Because when a raven directed by God, it changes everything. I wonder if humanity, and specifically you today, that when changed, when directed, when Moved when God through His Spirit is working through you, I wonder how much we actually have in common with the ravens at this moment. What do I mean? Like, think about it for a second. You're hardwired, you're hardwired to be a human of prey. What do I mean? You're hardwired for your kingdom. We all are. We're hardwired, we're born with this propensity to, to build our own kingdom. Right? And then on top of that, Step, step a little further. Like, like we're not clean at birth. And I don't mean just the messiness of birth. I mean internally, we are born with this sin nature, which isolates us from God, which says the world is all about us, which means that we are not going to share, we are not going to serve another human being, that actually I'm going to live in a way that's all about me. I'm going to live in a way that, that, that for me, I'm going to get what I need because I'm building my kingdom. Like, like think about it for a second. How many marriages and how many families do you see broken because of the nature of humans is not, is not, is not to step in and even nurture our own sometimes. How, how many of us, how many of us, I wonder, when it comes to God wants to provide for us, we're actually busy providing for ourselves and can't even see the provision that God has in front of us. I wonder how many of us are underachieving today. What do I mean? I believe that God has a plan. I believe that God has gifted you. I believe that God has wired you. I believe that he has you in the place that he needs you. And I believe that almighty God wants to direct you today to make a difference in humanity. I believe that we often under, underestimate what God has put into us and we're underachieving because actually what he's done for us is he's made us immense and beautiful and he's created us in a way that is the, that is the crowning moment of his creation. I wonder how many of us are living like ravens instead of ravens that are directed by God. See, here's what, I, here's what I believe. This story, this story tells me that under the hand of God, what actually happens is he rewrites the narrative of the raven. The raven has a different story. And I believe, 
under the control of Almighty God, what he wants to do in Jesus through you today is rewrite your narrative for the rest of your life. I believe that's what he wants to do. But but the, the story continues, right? As it always does for us. Verse seven, sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. The brook dried up. If there is ever a verse that sums up how we feel about life right now, the brook dried up. Numbers are on the rise of COVID in our own state. There's numbers out there that are saying per capita, we're the highest in the world. We're even Trump in places like Brazil. The brook dried up. Unemployment is skyrocketing. The brook dried up. Families are struggling. The brook dried up. You heard Zach talk about loneliness. The brook dried up. Why is this so significant? Think about it for a second. This is what hit me sitting on a sea dew at Lake Powell. Can you imagine being Elijah and you are there and the ravens are feeding you, but one thing you're noticing, the water is going down. And the stream, the brook is running slower. And all of a sudden, instead of scooping water, I'm scooping kind of muddy water. And I'm beginning to wonder, God, this, like you led me here, what's happening? Because God, this doesn't add up. What you're telling me in this moment is the birds are still showing up, but this brook is drying up. See, the temptation, I believe, for Elijah in this moment is to begin to pray, is to begin to pray opposite of what he stepped into in following God. What do I mean? He stepped into with Ahab and he said, hey, there's not going to be any rain. We understand from James, it says that Elijah prayed and prayed and prayed. See, the temptation on Elijah is, hey, I know how this brook picks up steam. How about a little rain? But Elijah doesn't sell out. Elijah doesn't make it about him. Elijah doesn't all of a sudden jump tracks because it's getting hard. See, I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know where you sit today. I don't know how you define the brook drying up today. But just like God has provided and just like God has walked you through and just like God has shown up each step of the way, I believe that today, today is more about more about you stepping in by faith despite what you can. Elijah could see it. It's drying up. He can see it happening. But that doesn't change the character of God and that does not change who he is to God. And you need to understand today that no matter how the brook is drying up, you, God has not changed and you have not changed to God. That today, today in Jesus, he's as mad about you as he was when things were fine, when COVID wasn't around. And I love that Jesus, there's a connection here in scripture and it's found in Luke. And Luke is talking to a wild group. I mean, you can, they're from all over. And in Luke 24, it says this, consider the ravens. 
Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than birds. Y'all, you, you consider the raven. What, what does that mean? You know what's fascinating about the ravens that show up at my house, that showed up at Lake Powell? They have no idea that COVID is happening. They have no idea that there are political divides in our country. They have no idea that there are racial tensions. They have no idea that law enforcement are being mistreated. They have no idea of the struggle going on in our country. They have no extremes. They simply are doing what God has always asked them to do today. There was a time when he directed them to go to a brook and feed a man. There was a time when they went outside of themselves completely. And then there's a time when they just fly and they just squawk and make noise outside your house. There's a time when they just sit on a rock and stare at you. Why? Because they're at peace being themselves and being them. They're at peace living the story that God's got them inside of. Hey, church family, I wonder today, I wonder today, and we're wrapping up with this. I wonder today, how many of us need to go back and realize that we, we have been trying to create a narrative for our life. We've been trying to write the story of our life. Whether that means we're trying to build a kingdom or whether that means that we're just being selfish and, and, and trying to do what we want, whether that means that we don't really have our eyes on anyone else, whatever that looks like, whether we've just forgot how valuable we are to God. But, but th this is what I would say today. I, I would say that, that we need to stop and consider the ravens because there's an awful lot we can learn from them today. They're not panicked today. They're, they're not scrambling, wondering where food's coming from today. They're not, they're not even cognizant of all the stuff going on in their neighborhood today. Then maybe what we need to do is quiet some of the other voices and take the advice of Jesus and just go, man, maybe I should just go sit in my backyard in solitude with God himself, get my soul quiet with God and consider the birds. Maybe I need to go to a park and consider the birds. Because I think there's an awful lot that we can learn from them today. Maybe, maybe just close in this way. What narrative does God want to write with your life today? What areas does God need to shift in your narrative today? What areas are you scared today because you see the brook drying up? You're scared. You're scared. You know what the next verse says? 
the word of the Lord came to him. It was when he needed it. So in spite of what you can see today, maybe today is just the day you need to sit. You need to sit. You see the brook drying up and you need to just trust that God is going to be faithful the way God has always been faithful to you. The way he's provided right when you've needed it every single time. And maybe today, for some of you, it's a realization that I've been trying to do this without Jesus. I've been trying to do this without God directing. And today, repentance is this word that just means to change direction, turn around, turn away from. And maybe today for you, it's a realization of I have been heading this way and I have been building everything about me and I have not been serving others and I have not been walking with others and I have not been caring for my own. And today is a day that you just need to recognize that God has so much more for you. And it's just a turning around and turning away from. And maybe today is your day to cross the line of faith. If that's you today, if that's you today, it's real easy. Because today is just about, as you step into faith today, it's really easy. It's just, God, I give you my life. I give you my life. And I'm stepping in today to trust you. And then from there, it's going to take a little bit of boldness from you because you're going to contact the, the contact person on this page, which is Heights Church. You just contact them. They'll take care of connecting with you. But church today, consider the birds. Consider the birds. Because how much more valuable are you than them? So God, we come before you today. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for this obscure story of Elijah. Your prophet, your man. Who God by faith, by faith got to see the miraculous. God, I pray for our church family that you would give us courage. God, that you would allow us to step in. Step into faith in a way, God, that actually changes the narrative of our entire life. God, would you give us the courage today to trust you to direct? Would you give us the courage today to believe that you have a plan and you want to write our story? Would you have us let go of the things that we hold on to so tightly? That God, for some of us, the brook drying up is actually a good thing because it means we got to let go of safety. We got to let go of control and we got to step into faith. And so God, today, would you give us the courage to trust you? Would you give us the courage to listen? Would you give us the courage to love? God, we know that in Jesus, you are leading us to others every single time. And so would our narrative of our lives be much like the ravens who just served you as you directed. So God, we love you. We're grateful for Jesus today. Thank you for dying and rescue. Thank you for grace and mercy. And it's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen.